Hi, I'm Avalon Starlight, and you are listening to the Rebel Unicorns podcast. This season, I'm super stoked because we are talking about something very near and dear to my heart, chakras, and how they can completely transform your life and your business. Listen each week as I share my own chakra experiences, as well as introducing you to incredible guests with their own chakra stories. Are you ready? Let's get our rebel on. Hello, Rebel Unicorns. I am so excited to introduce you to my first guest in the Energy Funnels series that we are doing here in Rebel Unicorns podcast. If you have not been a part of uh, the journey so far, you will have known that this is the third iteration of the podcast coming out. And this is my favorite because I get to highlight people who have experienced the chakras and who also are magical rebel unicorns. So today's guest is one of my favorite stories to tell because I got to witness them in their brilliance, like in their stardust, shining their light. And I was like, this chick is cool shit. (laughs) Like I want to know her. And then I was lucky enough to actually have a window into her soul and into her energy body through working together in the Chakra Business Academy. And now I feel like, the heavens have parted because today's guest is a part of the Enchanted Fairy uh, company and her brilliance, her mastery, her shine, her authenticity, her light is just beyond anything. I mean, you'll probably have to wear sunglasses while listening to this podcast today. (laughs) So please let me introduce you to Nikki McKnight. Hey, Nikki, how are you? I think I'm blushing. Uh, We could tell. That was so nice. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Before we got on, I was like, I get to like pour love all over you when we get to start this podcast. And because it's true, you honestly, like your spiritual gift and your capacity to see what normal people, as I would consider myself normal in this range, um, your ability to see information is just mind blowing to me. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you. So to start today's podcast, why don't you let the listeners know what your Rebel Unicorn House is? I am a catalyst. And what does Super that mean powerful, for Um, It's always been one of my mandates in life, more especially now that I run my own company, is I just want to do cool shit with cool people. I don't really care what form it comes in as long as that's the outcome. Um, so for me, that's really what the catalyst is, is just doing cool shit with cool people, helping world changers actually change the world instead of just dreaming about it and being that boost that someone might need to start something or to get out of their own way or to get beyond an obstacle that they either don't know exists or they don't know how to get around it to just be like, oh, there's a door in there. I don't know if you saw it, but this this is the door. You can just come this way and be like, oh, cool. And they just walk through the door and they carry on their way. I'm a door opener. You are so much more than that. Um... I'm like, you're the portal to actually having creation happen in a business. And I'm writing that down. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because I think that, you know, one of my favorite parts about interviewing you guys is going to be to significantly highlight as well what each of the unicorn houses do and why. So part of this is like, and you have been part of the whole creation of the, the, the quiz and really getting us to put all those pieces together, Nikki, is like a catalyst takes information that is everywhere. 
So like if you're listening right now and you're the person who has a thousand ideas, you know, you can maybe write them in your book and your phone, place them in like many different piles of paper on shelves on all this. And you never figure out how it all comes together. Nikki, like that, that level of clarity is your truth. Is that not true? I'm like, am I saying this correctly or how can you say it better? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, you know, we can talk about gifts or superpowers, whatever language you kind of want to ascribe to it. And we always hear the saying that, and I don't know the exact wording of it, but the idea that like your wound, the thing that you struggle with is actually that which you are meant to do the way that you are meant to help the way that you are meant to show up. And, you know, <laughs> back in yesteryear when I was, but a wee one, um, my brain was the thing that most often got me into trouble or isolated me. And I've definitely come to realize through working with people like you who have these amazing gifts, these amazing ideas that the, usually the one thing they need or one of the things that they need to kind of move forward in that is just a different perspective, a, a different idea, be a brain that can unlock, unburden or liberate them from having to figure out how to do something. You, you know, the what and the why you just don't know the how. I can give you the how. And if, as soon as you have that, you can just go. I'm like, shit. Yeah. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. Again, every time you, I hear you talk about it and then I want to always go like, and then also this and this, and I just <laughs> want to be like, like totally like bringing up. Cause to me, like you have changed the, the, what's the word I want to say here, the trajectory of my business right? Like you have made it so that I used to be a sprinkler. Now, if you've ever heard the analogy of a sprinkler, who's just throwing like little shots of water everywhere and nothing ever lands on its mark to a hose where we have clarity and focus and, and, you know, decision-making within the business. And I want to go back in time with you now. Mm-hmm. Cause in the intro, I told a little story about how we met, mm-hmm. how we got to play together. Yep. And how we got to experience a new level of relationship now. So going back to a place where when I met you, mm-hmm. I want to take this into, you know, really getting clarity for the people who are listening in a live kind of true experiential experience of root chakra, what it was like for you in the beginning and up until probably a year and a half ago, <laughs> when you were out of alignment in your root mm-hmm. chakra, what that meant to you, even if that meant anything before <laughs> we met and, and the clarity that you've had in the last year and a half or so based on that. Yeah. What a time. Like we talk, you know, you talk, you just said so nicely that we're going to turn this into now a consensual love fest about how you change, you know, I helped you change the trajectory of your business. You helped me change my trajectory as a human being. You know, I am not the same person I was a year and a half ago, even six months ago, just by being around you and the tools that I have now to understand and relate to my own madness, weirdness, genius, self, subconscious, conscious mind, whatever you want to call it, is, is fascinating to me. And I thank you so profusely for it. Because if we go back to, you know, I think I first met you maybe two years ago, casually in my, in my previous uh, job, you know, you were there and I met you and I was like, ah, she's a cool person. Don't understand at all what she does at all. Doesn't resonate. I'm not a woo person. I wouldn't consider myself spiritual at all, but I was like, you know what, from an academic standpoint, from a storytelling standpoint, I appreciate you and how you talk. And it's interesting to me. 
and, you know, kind of just hung around and you were also fairly local to me. And I was like, she's pretty cool. I get what she's doing. This is interesting. You know, never thought I'd be like a crystals and Oracle deck. So for those of you seen the video, there's literally like four Oracle decks and about 12 crystals on the table behind me. Who knew that this would be my life? Um, and I do remember, you know, one of the, the greatest highlights of my life and of my career is working for people that have given me access to even cooler people. Like access to rooms, I think is something we can talk a lot about, not only in entrepreneurship, but when it comes to equity and justice. It, it really does come down to who is in the room and who is allowed to be in that room and who is allowed to have a say in what happens in that room. And, you know, it was in one of those rooms that I met you and so many other awesome people who work in a similar space as you. And at first I was kind of like, really? Like I had worked for kind of like a corporate job before that or like big business that was run by people who had been in corporate. So it was very much a steeped in kind of this corporate idea. And I remember one of the first events I met you at, people in the room weren't talking about, oh, yes, my, my Aspen vacation home, and I just got a six-figure bonus. People were talking about, oh, yeah, I really liked how I was helping people do this, or I was impacting this change, or they were talking about their experience with psychedelics, or with therapy, or with crystals, or they had been channeling. And I remember looking at one of my then team members and going, what room am I in? <laughs> like I, this is not, was so far beyond my experience for what people talked about at quote unquote work events. That I was like, am I in Oz? Am I, am I in some mystical land? Like, am I down a rabbit hole? Like, what is this? And I did not know how to handle it. And I was just like, oh, dude, what is happening in this room? Who are these people? And that's where I met you. And things opened. <laughs> well, and I mean, we're like getting to a place though, where I want to actually delve a little deeper into mm -hmm. this. You are working, like you've worked for some really cool people and some really cool opportunities. Like mm -hmm. are none, you have had some jobs, like you can run just like, even like you worked for your, your dad and like mm -hmm. helping him. You've had like worked with huge uh, companies and businesses in the personal training space in, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the personal development space. I mean, you've worked and surrounded yourself with some, some pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. They've been pretty cool. I enjoyed, I'll, I won't say all of them. I'll say I enjoyed the experiences that came from them. But my question for you is the trap of the root chakra is that we can oftentimes get stuck in people pleasing, not having clear boundaries. <laughs> I don't know what those uh, are at all. You know, fear of judgment or seeking approval. Like those are the mm -hmm. big four misalignments of mm -hmm. the root chakra. And if you were to kind of give the listeners an idea of which one you fell into and why, can you, can you give a little history there? <laughs> Is all of them an option? Um, I would say probably the biggest two for me were people pleasing and boundaries. Um, because I had such a deep need to feel loved, to feel wanted, to feel valued, that I would do anything and everything, even if it wasn't my job, even if nobody had asked me to. And I felt it was because, oh, I'm just being helpful. Like, I want people to look at me and think, oh, she's so nice. She's so helpful. She's so kind. She's so valuable. We can't lose her or we must always support her. And like, there was a deep need for that. And there still is to an extent, you know, I'm definitely I'll say a recovering people pleaser. I'm working on it. But in this deep need to be liked, loved and appreciated, I would have no boundaries. I would say yes to everything. I would jump in before I was asked. 
Um, and I, and at the time I was like, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just being helpful. I'm just doing all of these things. And with that comes an intense pressure to be perfect all of the time because you, you can't fuck up. Like if you, if you take something on and you mess up, then that's just so much worse. Um, and I would say that's probably been my entire life, not just my professional career. And at the time I wasn't really able to see like why that was happening. Like I come from a very privileged background. My parents are still together. We have an amazing relationship and it didn't occur to me that patterns or behaviors that are, you know, maybe negative or not serving you can come from a good childhood. I I always thought that only happens to people who have capital T trauma in their lives, you know, that went through all the stuff that suffered, you know, dad went away when I was five and mom and I had to do whatever we had to make ends meet, you know, it never occurred to me that you can develop behaviors and patterns that don't serve you out of a loving environment, out of a privileged environment. It was like, no, this is just how it is. You just do work. You just show up. You just keep doing it. Um, so then when you started telling me, mm, not so much, I was like, but what do I do now? Who am I if I am not this person who is just always helping, who is there to prop other people up to help other people do stuff? Like if, if I'm not doing that, then who am I and what am I doing? So in a way you witnessed in your childhood, this go do like, like keep going, keep like continuing push, push energy, if you will. Mm -hmm. Like you just keep working, you keep working, you work harder, you keep Mm -hmm. that kind of level of, of role modeling. Yeah, definitely. Like I, you know, I love my father. My father's probably one of my biggest role models, but he's a workaholic. And I learned that from him. He was always working seven days a week. He was always pulling long hours. He was always helpful. He was always doing work around the house. And if ever we needed anything, he was the first one to jump in. But I've definitely realized over time and through working with you and doing quote unquote the work in big capital letters that like my dad is a people pleaser. And if he's not helping people, like that's how he feels love. That's how his existence is validated is he's helping people. He's always the first person to come in and help people either with his energy or with his money. And again, like I looked at that and I was like, well, that's how I, that's how, this is how it is. If you're in a position where you can help people, then you do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because that's the right thing to do. Which I think it's such a powerful thing when we are talking about root chakra, because it's the foundation of who we are, right? This mm-hmm. is like defines, you know, who I am and who I serve. And our first people that we have connection with are our parents, are the people mm-hmm. that are modeling, you know, things. And, you know, I really love when you mentioned that, because I remember the retreat that we were at that I was like, you know, it comes from a parent and you were like, nah, my parents are great. Mm-hmm. It was almost like just getting you to even acknowledge that's how much, like, and I'm, I'm being honest that that's how much the people pleasing like seed was in you that to feel like you couldn't say that about your dad, like that mm-hmm. you love him immensely and witness that it was not healthy for you. It's, it may be healthy for him. We don't know, but for you, that level of intensity was not mm-hmm. healthy. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I think it's really interesting when you, you take the relationship a parent can have with a child, you layer on that like gender. My dad is male. I am not. And then you add in generational stuff on top of that. It just becomes this thing where, you know, he only knew what his parents had done. And my grandfather, when he was alive, he was the same as my dad. He was a workaholic, always did things for other people never stopped working. 
And, you know, you never really had the space to say no, or, you know, I don't want to, because you're kind of, you know, there was a sense of if you're not helping, then, you know, you're not contributing. You're not, you know, you are able-bodied, you are, you know, able physically, emotionally, mentally to do something, then why are you not doing it? Because there are some people who can't and you can. So step up. That's what you do. And I think it becomes really hard when you, especially in a workplace environment, when you have like what should have like a job description. And I can't remember how, what, how exactly how you worded this to me, but I remember you said this at one of the retreats and it was something along the lines of, if you do something for someone else without them asking, you are robbing them of their own experience to experience that. And I was like, well, shit, I think I'm being helpful. Maybe sometimes I am, but I can't let go of that even now. But I'm ultimately taking away from that person their ability, their right to experience something in whatever way it is. Maybe it'll hurt them. Maybe it'll help them. Maybe it'll harm them. Maybe they'll love it. Maybe they'll hate it. It doesn't really matter. It's not my job. And that was a very, very tough <laughs> tough thing to get through. I was like, but I can help. I can do it. And then they will love me. It was a big one. Which, I mean... That I can still actually feel the energy of that <laughs> in like when we started working together. And, you know, there was this what would you say? Because this is, I think, really important for people to understand and to hear like the level, your capabilities to, to, to help people and to do a really good job are amazing. And oftentimes you can handle the role of multiple people. Like you are gifted enough that that's easy for you. But Mm -hmm. when you get caught in the swirl of it all or in the consistency of it all, almost like in the momentum of it all, how Mm -hmm. that affects you as a human being health-wise? No, it's not good. Um, Yeah, like it's, again, it's really interesting what you start to accept as normal when you've been in something for so long. You know, I've always been a person who likes to do a lot of things. I was always in extracurriculars. I was always doing something. Um, So I even remember when I was in university, I was a full-time student. I worked on campus, the student cafeteria. I ended up managing it my senior year and I ran the drama society. So I was forever producing, directing and putting on theater productions for the university and I, oh, I just remember thinking, oh yeah, it's October. Oh yes. My, my, my fall breakdown is, should be about next week. And I would always have one in like May. It like, it was like clockwork. It was like October and May. I would have these complete mental, physical breakdowns where I'd get really sick. I wouldn't be able to really leave my room, but I would have to go to work or, you know, study for tests and do all these things, but it was like clockwork. And then that pattern continued. Even when I started working like post-university, it was like, yeah, fall and spring, prepping for my breakdown. I know it's going to happen. Um, and you just start to say like, that's a pattern. Oh, it's the season changes. Oh, those are always just the natural rhythms where I get really busy and then I have to recover from it. Uh, you don't really know or have an awareness of that. You know, you don't have to have big physical, emotional breakdowns twice a year. You could just not, uh, that was not something I was aware of. I just always had them. Well, but, so. like I believe that this is an important thing too, is like you, we, we've talked about having like a scale of when you're dropping mm-hmm. too low or you're, you're going too hard or too intense, like, you know, the, the self-awareness of, you know, your own personal energy of mm-hmm. where you are within this range of healthy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. What would you say your capacity for understanding that was during all those times? 
Uh, not great. And even honestly, now it's still not great. Like when I think about an energetic barometer, um, you know, or like the fire warnings, like red, it's a fire is imminent and green. Like you can have an outdoor campfire. It's totally fine. I would say like, I'm better at understanding it, but even now I don't, I'm not great at it. And I think part of that is, you know, in addition to this beautiful people pleasing lack of boundaries, uh, the only way I feel loved is through acts of service and, and doing things for other people is that I struggle with mental health. You know, I've been diagnosed with many different forms of depression. You know, I experienced suicidal ideation when I was early teens, was put into therapy for it, was medicated for a while. And even now I'm currently awaiting a full psyche valve. It's coming up in a few weeks to see if it's by, to see if, you know, what I'm experiencing can be attributed to bipolar too. So, you know, it's already loud and something I struggle to understand. And then I think when you add in mental health on top of that, it's even harder to understand what that barometer is because when you have periods of mania and when you have periods of depression, your barometer shifts. So if I'm in like a manic high period and my mania shows up in very various different ways, you know, I can work 10 hours a day and feel amazing. It's so fulfilling. I'm working on, you know, stuff, but I'm having fun. I'm going to the gym. I'm making myself beautiful meals and I sit down and I enjoy them or I read a really good book or I hang out with my family. And then other times, many can be, oh, did I just drop $1,000 on online shopping? Perhaps I did. Um, but then my depression can be very much the other way. It can be, you know, procrastination and pure avoidance, or it can be I just kind of going through the motions. So I think when I add that layer on top of it, it is so hard for me to determine my barometer. Because what I originally thought would be like, oh, if it's a good week, you know, I'm going to sleep eight hours a day. I'm going to go work out three times a week. I'm going to see my family. I'm going to da 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 but that doesn't apply all the time. Like if I'm in a low, it's good enough for me to just get out of bed and I'm okay with that. Or it's good enough for me to not go to my desk before 11 AM. I know it's a bad day when I'm rushing to my desk. Cause I'm just like, Oh my God, like I need to control something. And where do I control things? I control things from in front of my computer. So if I'm, that's kind of one of the new signs I've come up with is that if I'm at my desk before 10 AM and I don't have my coffee in the morning and I don't do whatever, or I don't read in bed in the morning then I'm like, Oh, this is a bad day because I'm rushing to my desk or I'm avoiding it. That's the other flip side of it. If I don't go to my desk until two o'clock in the afternoon, it's probably a bad day. But that's been a really interesting thing to navigate. I definitely don't have a, a good handle on it yet. I'm getting better at recognizing the highs and lows and being okay with them and trying to build a business that's not reliant on me all of the time so that I can feel okay about sleeping all day. Well, first, let but me it's, celebrate. It's growth. <laughs> Nikki, because A even having the understanding that you have right now that you're sharing is a big fucking deal. Thank you. Right. Because when we met, you would, you didn't have the the time, the space or the capacity to even nurture those experiences or to learn that about yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. Because there was the expression of I've got to get in to do the job that I am set to do period the mm -hmm. end period the end mm -hmm. and that left no time for Nikki to figure that out <laughs> no and it, it, it just kind of brought to mind again something an exercise you had had me do and you said what do you think you're responsible for <laughs> go down to the canal in St. Catharines where there's a bunch of rocks and on each of those rocks write down what you think you are responsible for put it in a backpack walk part of the canal and then throw it in the water afterwards um, because all the things I thought I was responsible for, most of them weren't mine, you know, 
The success of my boss's business was not on me. My parents' health was not on me. My sister's mental health was not on me. Um, And that was a really powerful exercise because I think that really kind of helps you confront the people pleasing to say like the things I am doing, why am I doing them? Is it because I think I have to? And once I remember that was one of the big freeing exercises that led to me quitting my last job because I was like, why? This is not mine. Why am I putting in a hundred percent of my effort for 40% or less of the return on that? If this was any one of my friends, I would have said, you're fucking stupid. Like leave that job. That is insane. It is unhealthy. They, they don't deserve you. But at the time I was like, but I have to, this is what I have to do. Mm. Because if I don't do this, then something will go wrong. Clients will be upset. They will cancel. The company will lose money. And that company will have failed because of me. Mm. Or, you know, even when I quit my job working for my dad, I worked for my dad for a number of years. And then it turned into be so, so stressful. And I didn't want to work in that field anymore. And it took me a really long time to be able to say to my dad, I quit because I thought I'm the only one currently performing these functions at that job. And if I quit, my dad will have to take them on. My dad is already overworked and unhealthy. He will take on my work. He will have a heart attack and die. I will have killed my father if I leave this job. And both of those circumstances, it took me about a year and a half to work my way up to quitting. And one of them was my dad. The other one was not. So I have no idea why it took me as long as it did for that second job to be like, this isn't even a family member. Truthfully, was it easy for you to quit any job? Was it easy? Yeah. For you to actually feel Um, like you weren't letting people down if you were to quit the job or that somebody would know what you were doing. No, every single job I've ever had has been like that. Even when it was like a horrible job, you know, like I was one summer in university, I started working as a bar back and a waitress at a, an Irish pub and a chop house, miserable job, like verbally abusive environment. I was there for two weeks and I had to make up a story about my grandmother getting cancer and me moving home to take home care of my grandmother so that I didn't feel as much guilt about leaving. Um, still felt a ton of guilt. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm horrible. I'm shameful. Like, even though it was the right decision, I couldn't just go in and say, you guys are idiots and you're verbally abusive. I'm leaving. I couldn't even do that. I had to say, I'm so sorry. My grandmother has cancer. Please feel sorry for me. I'm flying home to New Brunswick. And I, but I, I, I think that this is an important part of the story, right? Because this is just the people pleasing, the not having clear boundaries, the, you know what I mean? Not make like mm-hmm. that level of responsibility and not letting anyone down, <laughs> not letting anyone down. So, I mean, the, the twist in the story here and the good news is that you did make the shift. So what would you say was the most impactful or like biggest aha moment that you had other than the rock story? Cause I fucking mm-hmm. love that story. Yeah. But I think the rock is pretty good. <laughs> I also think because that is a tangible, right? So everything mm-hmm. can be an energy when we're talking about energy and we're talking mm-hmm. about the root chakra and we're talking mm-hmm. about it. You guys are like, what the fuck? I don't understand what she's saying, which mm-hmm. I totally understand because we don't until we do. But when you can make it tangible, physical, like something that the mm-hmm. body can then like the brain can associate it to, it makes it more real. But things got pretty intense and I would mm-hmm. love for you to like kind of share the turnaround moment. Um, I'm going to quote you again, because this is another one of my favorite quotes. What you tolerate in one area, you tolerate everywhere. And one, I was like, Oh shit. That's like, that's a bumper sticker right there. But you know, the reason I left my last job was because all I was doing was tolerating. And it got to the point where I was like, this is now emotionally abusive. Like, you know, if I tolerate people lying to me to my face or having me lie on their behalf to protect them. Like, how is that good? 
like why? And I remember, you know, it took me about a year and a half to work my way up to leaving that particular position. Cause again, I felt responsible for a lot of things. And I was like, you know, I am happy being a backstage person. I don't want to be in the spotlight. And I was like, I was an actor for the first 12 years of my life. How did I ever think I didn't want the spotlight? But that is a story for another day. Um, but I just remember thinking, I am tolerating people lying to me, breaking promises to me, having me lie on their behalf, ruining my name, dragging my name through the mud. I was like, I wouldn't do this in my own life. It's not something I value. And now my name is becoming associated with this. Like if this was one of my best friends that came to me and said, oh my God, my boss is doing this. Like would I have stayed, would I, I would tell them to get the fuck out. They don't deserve your time, your energy. Um, and I, I felt that a lot and it wasn't, and I was like, oh my God, I am tolerating so, so much. It is not worth a paycheck. But at the same time, I was like, I can't, I, where would I go? What do I do? And it didn't matter how many times I told myself, like, I've never had to really job hunt in my life. Because any interview I ever went to, I was already kind of like, I knew I'd get the position or I was headhunted or something. Like, I never felt, I've never, you know, I've had that privilege to be able to go into a job interview and go, I got this. Because I've never really had to try for it. And I'm just like, but if I leave, then, then what? Like, I'm screwed. What do I do? Nobody's going to want me after this. Mm-hmm. And that took a long time to just say, fuck it. <laughs> and, you know, you start telling yourself these stories, but like, I own my home. What's the worst case scenario? I sell the home. Or, you know, I take out a loan. A loan's not bad. I'm only in my early 30s. I could pay the whole loan back by the time I'm 35. Like, who cares? But I was like, but I don't want to disappoint people. I don't want to lose access to people. I don't want there to be a story told about me behind my back if I make a change. And it just got to the point where, I remember I went, I went on a solo trip to Australia for three weeks. It was the first time in about seven years of working a few years for that company that I turned off. I took my email off my phone. I took Slack off of my phone. I said to everybody, the only way you can get in touch with me is a text message. And I'm going to be in parts of Australia that there is no cell phone signal. Like three days. I didn't have access to internet or a cell phone signal. And when I got back, they were fine. Did they do everything the way I could have? It doesn't matter. But, you know, I was like, okay, then why am I tolerating this if they're going to be fine? And I was and like, huh. <laughs> I think that it's important to, to bring into the story too. Like the work that we were doing together was that you are going to create something for you, of you, that the, the working for others wasn't even going to be in existence anymore. Like grounding into who you were and the values and these morals that you were just speaking to and how that translated into something that you didn't even have a mental picture for. Mm-hmm. Were you scared? Oh yeah. Um, it was terrifying again, because I was just like, I need, you know, I need to feel liked if I leave that universe, then the people I met there, will they still like me? Will they still be around well, like- me? Even the blind leap, like, because that's book three, right? Like the blind leap, <laughs> pumping, little self, you know, promotion. Buy it on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> the blind what, is, what, is, what does RuPaul say on Drag Race? Now available on iTunes. <laughs> I love that. Right, but the blind leap is about jumping into something you have no idea what it looks like. Like when we were like, I'm like, Nikki, you're going to be able to create a business. So many people are going to want to hire you. And I'm like spouting off all of your like top qualities. And you're like, were you believing me in the beginning? 
No, not really. And I remember, here's a fun story. Uh, I remember when you and I were having a call and I mentioned something, you were like, wait, you're doing that? I'll sign up. And I was like, Tamara, is this a pity hire? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I didn't believe that you wanted to hire me. And I was like, are you just doing this? Because like, I told you I I needed more business. Like, is this out of pity? Are you just going to give me your money because you pity me? Like, it's so asinine when you think about it, but that's legitimately, I was like, nobody's going to want this. There are other people that do this. I am not so special that everything I'm doing is brand new. And I was like, oh, this must be a pity hire. Tamara is just doing this because she pities me. What a benevolent person she is. Yeah. (laughs) First, I make you pay to work with me. And then I, you know, just give you money so that you feel good about yourself so that you just don't (laughs) actually have to produce any result. That's how I run business. Does this mean you're like my sugar mama? (laughs) I actually have to work. It's not a life of leisure. I actually have to like do some work. Maybe I just felt bad. And I was like, I'm just going to pay you back for the money that you spent. That's totally what it is. All right. And like, you know, another four weeks I'll have, you'll have paid off my entire, you know, refunded my entire payments. We shall part ways. But at the same time for me, it was like the, um, what's the Swedish, we do better. Ikea commercial, right? Where (laughs) I knew your brilliance. I'd been in your energy body. I already knew what you were capable of. As somebody who sees potential futures, I could see where your future was going. And so when you were like, this is what I'm doing. And this is how much I was like, start the car, start the car, start the car. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. Why don't you moment and like tell people what it is that you do? Cause they're probably going like, what did she hire you for at this point? Uh, Anything and everything. No. um, You do now. Cause it might not be the same as what I hired you for. It's true. It's not, it's new. Mm -hmm. It's magical. Um, By the time this episode drops, uh, this will be live. But basically what I want to do with people is I love entrepreneurs. I love CEOs. I love founders who, again, they ha- they know the what and the why, and they believe in it so strongly, and they know how it can change lives, and they know how it can change the world. They literally just don't know. What do I do today? What do I do next Wednesday? What do I do a month from now to make sure this happens? And that's what I'm really good at. Um, so I'm kind of working to unburden CEOs from their business so that they can experience something that is so totally in alignment, that is fun and easy and joyful. And they're doing it their way, not what bro marketers are saying that you have to grow and scale your business. Because if you don't want to grow and scale, fantastic. You don't have to. So I'm doing through these um, kind of like 30 day to 45 day intensives, like we are going to download your busy brain into a business that works for you, not against you through looking at your operations, your messaging, your day-to-day tasks, how you manage your own entry, your energy. What is your role within your business? What do you want it to be? Who do you need to help you? And how can you run a company if that's what you want in a way that is easy and not scary? And you don't automatically think, I don't want to manage a team. You don't have to, if you don't want to, but if you want to, I can help you do it. So it's really about unburdening and liberating creative, visionary, spiritual CEOs. Yeah. And I think this is important for the opposing side to hear this, right? So as somebody who is doing everything or trying to keep the the boat afloat and Nikki came into my business and like, literally I have more space to be in creation and do what I'm really good at. That's also another shift in your root chakra. You guys is to become super grounded in that space that you don't have to do hustle, go 
push in order to be in creation. Like it's almost like now that we've got the support, the work then becomes, oh my God. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do with my time. Because <laughs> all right? this was like spent in that. Exactly. And I see so many amazing founders, you know, female identifying ones even more so get caught up in the, I have to do everything that the business doesn't work without you. Everything relies on you. You are the bottleneck. You are the driver. And then you start to resent the thing that you've built, you know, coming up with content has lost its joy. Focusing on, you know, an offer or a service for your clients is no longer fun. Cause you're like, I could do this, but then there's like 20 other things I have to do. And like this resentment and this judgment starts to build up about yourself and about your business. And it's, it's no longer fun. And that usually means that, you know, one to three years into their business, most entrepreneurs, again, female identifying ones, especially quit. They say, I can't do this anymore. It's too hard. I'm just not cut out for this. This isn't me. And they go back to work for someone else. And if that's your journey and that's where you want to be fantastic, companies cannot exist without people who work for other people. But if you truly want to be an entrepreneur, and this is the thing that is stopping you Going back to what is my responsibility? Maybe I won't say responsibility, but what is the way that I help is I'll I'll help you get there and I'll help you figure it out because, you know, we look at, you know, the number of million dollar companies in North America. We look at the number of, of those companies that are run by women or female identifying people. It is so fucking low and it's, it's ridiculous. And I think, you know, we see marketing out there. I, I mentioned earlier, like bro marketing is so, so prevalent. Mm-hmm. So much content about how to run a business and how to market is done by that type of patriarchal capitalist attitude, which I'm not in love with. Mm-hmm. Um, so there has to be a better way. And there has to be a way that you can do it without judgment, without mansplaining, without being talked down to, and instead being recognized for your own unique experience and how that can help you build a business that is that works, that is fun, that is joyful, that is in alignment with who you are. And as a result of that, lifts everybody up around you. It lifts up you. It lifts up your family. It lifts up your local community. And then it's like other women start to model you. Other people start to model you. And that's what we need. We need this passion economy. We need this knowledge economy. And it can't come from massive generalization. White dudes (laughs) who are just in this way. And, you know, we can think about how people show up in their businesses. And they don't teach you how to do this in school. They don't teach you how to be an entrepreneur. They don't teach you how to be a leader. The idea of leadership in the traditional North American school system is I was the captain of a dodgeball team and I got to pick first in gym class. It's not leadership, mm-hmm. right? They don't teach any of us how to do this. So we're automatically at a disadvantage when it comes to wanting to run a business. And that's, that's what I'm here for. The ability to see who is the supports that we can have. And we're also taught to do these things alone, right? So like even... Mm-hmm finding and allowing yourself the support and the help and the reaching out to find, which is root chakra, like-minded people to, you know, contribute to your team, to contribute to your message, to contribute to your, your impact is, is, is really vital. And I'm bringing this in from the level of being a cosmic rebel unicorn, right? Like I do not, I do not do systems. I do not do the capability to, you know, even speak the same language that you do, Nikki. And one of the greatest things that I think is important is when you're when you're choosing to include more people in your realm, in your sphere, because you get to at the level of root, it is your environment. It's who you're surrounding yourself with. It's the experiences that you're surrounding yourself with. You know, for me, one of the greatest things I knew about you was you were a catalyst unicorn. And that meant 
meant that I could bring somebody into my business that was doing something that I was not capable of. I mean, you know, I'm a hot mess <laughs> in this stuff. And I'm okay to say that, like, that's not my forte, what you do to support what I do. And I think that, you know, the freedom of the expression and choice of who is in your environment is yours. Mm-hmm. And at any point, y'all, you can change your fucking mind. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, if we're like, oh, I love this. This is really great. And then something in that relationship shifts or changes, and it no longer vibrates at the intensity or the value that you want to continue moving forward in, that you get to choose again and again and again and again to say no. Mm-hmm. And move on. Yeah. I'm like, I feel like we could go off into a whole tangent about I know. I feel like, and this is a sermon being <laughs> it's so true so speaking into that right into like because I I don't want to like make this a super long podcast because I feel like root (laughs) chakra has so many significant things it's the people it's the places it's the environment it's the experiences that you choose now that you are in a space of more awareness in your root chakra more alignment in your root chakra Like, what can you tell the listeners about being in that vibrational frequency? What does that feel like? What does that look like for you? Like, give them the mental picture of that. Hmm. You know, it's, I think it's kind of hard to put it into words, which I realize is so trite to say, but, you know, everything just feels easier in terms of, how to show up, how to work. You know, I'm not saying that I don't have hard days because those certainly do exist, but it's almost just this, the ability to go back and forth between a 30,000 foot view of you and your life down to like a six foot view and being able to move back and forward between those two states or spaces and to realize like how congruent they are, how in line they are and how easy it is to kind of just hang out there. And it's cool. And, you know, be able to get the recognizance of, oh, something's creeping in on there that shouldn't be there. Let's maybe just address that or deal with that or ask it why it's there and just like question it, interrogate it, do something with it. Um, Because, you know, as much as I say I wasn't the same person I was a year and a half ago, even in the last four months, you know, I, I went back to running my own business about seven and a half, eight months ago. And even in that period of time, it's completely, completely different because I've just gotten so much better at who, who am I, how am I here, and what does it need to look like? A little real on the podcast here is that I share a house, right? We're renting and the people who are in the opposing area of the house above the garage just set the fire alarm off. <laughs> and it's, it's off the whole space. So that was a little bit of um, experience. I'm not really going to have Jeff take that out either. Because yeah, there will just be like a random 20 second silent spot in the middle <laughs> to just sink <laughs> the into, the, sink I mean, into the brown of what I'm saying. <laughs> 
Can I ask you a question? Because this is really, I think, one of the most important questions um, is, are you able to say no now to people who are not a good fit to work with? 80% of the time, yes. And it's still hard because you kind of start going into the either, if not the people pleasing, then the, oh, you know, the scarcity of money is nice to have and have that. But I also think it comes back to this idea of how am I going to feel if I'm doing this work? Is it fun? Is it cool? And again, I realize I'm speaking from a very privileged platform that I can afford to make those choices and I have the ability to make those choices. Um, It's definitely easier. And one of my favorite perspectives on that is something that my friend Molly Galbraith uh, shared on Instagram. It's a few months ago now about uh, she was releasing a book or a course or something. And she had reached out to this very important person in her audience in her community and asked her for something. And the woman wrote back and said, thank you so much for asking. My plate is as full as I would like. And Molly had posted on her Instagram, a photo of that response with the caption of normalize boundaries, normalize saying no. And that hit me so much because you're not making excuses You're not making up a story. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm too busy right now. You're not valorizing the hustle and the grind. You know, you're not doing any of that. You're just saying my plate is as full as I would like. And that really struck me. And that's something I've definitely tried to do more of to be, you know, am I coming at this from a place if I actually want to do this and I think it would be fun or interesting or useful to me. Mm -hmm. And I try to do that first more so than I could really help that person. Or what, what will they not be able to do if I don't do this work? It's more, I'm being selfish with this. And I'll say, how will this help me? Will this be fun for me? What can I learn from this? Even if it's maybe not 100% what I want to do, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a learner. I'm a bit of a nerd. So I kind of want to be, you know, if I did do this, could I learn something interesting from it? And is that enough validation for me to try it? Because I try a lot of things and sometimes it works and sometimes it does not. Well, again, I think better. On a great way to kind of close up here is that it's really about the you know being a rebel unicorn is this radical self awareness. It's rad- radical self love. It's radical self care. It's radically understanding yourself. And for me, I think it's even the level of um, you know getting clean in your own energy, so that you are coming into these conversations with that, my plate is full mm-hmm. and, and not worrying, right? Like mm-hmm. that is your truth, period, mm-hmm. right? And then knowing that, just knowing that that is your truth. So as we're kind of ending here, what, what to you is being a rebel unicorn? It's pretty much giving a middle finger to should. <laughs> and, you know, in my space specifically, It is taking the misogyny, the stupid racism, sexism bullshit that seems to permeate business models and running it over with a Mack truck and saying, fuck it, because it's not right. There is no should. There is no way that it should be done or has to be done. I think it's bullshit. I think it's looking at offers that say, here's how to scale your company to $10 million and portraying it as the only way to actually have an attainable measure of success is to do that. I think it's bullshit. You shouldn't do it. And it's making spaces more equitable 
and open. And it's not so much just saying who's not at the table. It's who's at the table, who had a say in where the table is placed and who got to contribute to building the fucking table. To me, that's what's important because if, you know, if the table is still built by stupid people, then nothing's really been changed. So can we look at business? Can we look at how we talk about running a business and being a business owner and being an entrepreneur because it's fucking amazing. But can we take that and really break it down, dissect it and rebuild it into something that actually makes sense? Because if we're going to talk about scaling anything, can we talk about scaling people's contribution? Can we talk about scaling impact? Can we get out of this, you know, everything you do must be scalable. Bullshit. Everything you do has to be fun for you. Full stop. Gigantic period. Intero bang. That's it. I don't even know what to say after that was so brilliant. (laughs) And like, that is being a rebel unicorn. I'm just going to literally follow like that with how can people reach out to you, Nikki? Um, I'm mostly on Instagram. You can find me at Nikki underscore McKnight, M-O-C-N-I-K-K-I underscore M-C-K-N-I-G-H-T. MOC on Instagram. I love a good DM. Come hang out with me. I share a lot of nerdy memes and fun business tricks. Uh, And you can read more about my business and what we do at mcknightoc.com. I was singing the Mickey Mouse Club. (laughs) When you were saying it, it sounds so much like it. Thank you. Thank you for coming in and bringing your brilliance and your light and your story of your root chakra and all of this because I fucking love you. And I love that you are part of Team Enchanted Fairy and that your stardust as a catalyst unicorn gets to really touch the lives of so many more because you are the ripple effect, right? Like you get to impact more people than I think you know in the role that you do because it influences so many other people. That, yeah, I don't think you're aware of. So that's my last little love bomb on you as we tie up the show. Mwah! Love you, Nikki. Thank you. Wow. That episode was mind blowing. I hope you had as many ahas listening to it as I had recording it. I would love to see the Rebel Unicorns podcast spread far and wide across the globe, across the universe. So if you want to share it on your social media with something that you found impactful, leave a review, send it to a friend. It would be so deeply appreciated. Also, a little side note, I did recently change my name. I downloaded a year and a half ago that my name was Avalon Starlight. It was previously my birth name was Tamara Arnold. And if you're interested in learning what your rebel unicorn house is, oh yeah, there's a quiz for that. Think Harry Potter, except you're sorted into how you are impacting the world with your stardust and what energy you're here to shift and change. You can find out your rebel unicorn house at www tamaraarnold.ca slash quiz. Let me know, tag me in social media, send the quiz out and join the Rebel Unicorns Facebook group to be in a community of like-minded spiritual entrepreneurs who understand that when you shift your energy, you transform your business.